0: Welcome to Topping Tech, Global Council's weekly podcast on global tech policy. My name is Conan Darcy. I'm the regular host of this podcast and I lead GC's tech practice globally. This week we've had major news. The European Commission has announced the reform of the General Data Protection Regulation. This was a digital reform which really established Europe's reputation as the premier global standard setter in tech. It's had a major impact on businesses and other organizations, not just in Europe, but around the world. It's seen big tech companies find hundreds of millions of euros, and it's seen the sprouting up of whole new industries and professions in data protection. It's one of those few pieces of EU legislation that's actually well known by the public. If you speak to your friends and you speak to your family, and it's referred to universally by the acronym GDPR. So there's going to be huge interest in the upcoming reform. So, therefore, without wanting to overdo it, Alana, lots for us to talk about today. I'm delighted I'm joined by Alana Kunkel, part of the Tech Media Telecom's practice in Global Council's Brussels office. So, Alana, lots to wade through. Before we get into the details, the ins and outs of what is in the proposal and the politics that surrounds it, I think it's probably worth starting off with a bit of history, a bit of background. We've had five years of the GDPR in force now. Let's reflect on that. Has it been, is it perceived as a success story or, or or is the is the perception by European policymakers of the GDPR something slightly different?
1: Hi, Conan. Uh, thanks for having me here today. I think there's a lot of nuance to that question. So the GDPR has clearly been a milestone for the protection of personal data and it has gone to influence data protection regimes throughout the world. So in that sense, when considering its global effects and the range of rights also that it has granted to citizens regarding their personal data, we shouldn't understate its success. It's been really a massive milestone for digital policy, and there's a reason why now many refer to it as the gold standard of data protection. There's also been a range of studies done that have showed that at least within the EU, a high percentage of people are aware of the rights under the GDPR and are active in exercising them, which also points towards success. But as we know, rights are only really valid if they can be successfully enforced, and and that's exactly where the GDPR has seen some shortcomings. What's special about the GDPR, although we may see later it's not so special anymore, is that its enforcement is decentralized. Meaning that the rules of the GDPR are not only enforced by one central authority that supervises the whole of the EU, for example... But by 27 different authorities. So the data protection authorities of the EU member states are the ones tasked with enforcing the GDPR rulebook. And the reality is that data holders, so those companies that are processing a large amount of personal data, such as big tech companies, are often established in Ireland or in Luxembourg, usually to their favorable tax regimes. And as according to the GDPR so-called one-stop-shop mechanism of enforcement, which means that only the authority in the country of the main establishment of the company processing your data will have the power to enforce the GDPR. And for example, issue fines related to redress mechanisms. This means that, of course, there is a rather skewed balance arguably here, as it will be mainly Ireland and Luxembourg uh, dealing with a large part of the GDPR GDPR complaints. And one widely issued criticism is that those authorities have been a little bit bit too lenient with enforcement and have treated uh, certain companies more favorable. At least that's how the argument goes. The problem, however, extends a bit further than that as, as oftentimes different data protection authorities have to cooperate with each other for enforcement. And this is where they start to disagree on really procedural details on how to handle certain cases. So the GDPR does foresee a formal dispute resolution mechanism in this case where data protection authorities disagree on how to proceed. And the commission has argued that this formal dispute resolution mechanism has been used disproportionately uh, in place of finding a more amicable agreement. And the result has been that individuals trying to enforce their data rights have often been left on the sidelines to wait while authorities are grappling with each other over procedural details. And this has really often led to massive delays and member states have pointed out uh, that many individuals are are failing to seek redress for their cases, uh, mainly because data protection authorities fail to agree on procedures even before the substance uh, of a data protection case is even treated. So from an enforcement point of view, the situation is certainly less than ideal. Um, And that's really the number one reason why the GDPR's success has been put into question due to its really many issues and and imbalances in in enforcement arising from the fact that there are 27 different data protection authorities with 27 different procedures, and that's exactly what a commission is now planning to address.
0: And I think on the enforcement part, it's been quite extraordinary in many ways. You've had resolutions or motions for resolutions by the European Parliament which have directly criticised the Irish Data Protection Commission. You've had Helen Dixon, who leads that commission, appear... For committees in the European Parliament to defend the record of her institution. And you've also seen sniping at the Irish Authority in particular from other member states and their data protection authorities. I think the counter-argument that the Irish Authority would give is limited resources, for example, having to deal with the largest companies in the world and extremely complex issues with a nascent regulatory framework. But we'll let uh, Helen Dixon and her Counterparts argued that one out. So it sounds like, Alana, the problem we have to solve, or the problem the Commission has to solve, is then enforcement. And enforcement is the root of where people think the GDPR has not quite performed to the extent that people anticipated it would. So, can you just talk us through the proposal? What is in the proposal that might look to address that enforcement question?
1: Yeah, so the proposal is actually rather limited in scope because it's really only about harmonizing certain procedural aspects of cross-border data protection cases and about improving the cooperation of data protection authorities that are involved in those cases. A cross-border case could look like the following. So you, say, are a Spanish citizen who is making a complaint to your local data protection authority in Spain because you believe that your GDPR rights have been breached, let's say, by a social media company. Currently, the situation often will look like this. Your Spanish authority will have to enter into contact with probably the Irish authority, as most, say, social media companies are established in Ireland and under the so-called one-stop shop mechanism will therefore have to be regulated by the Irish Data Protection Authority. Both authorities will then have to cooperate in that case. But right now, the GDPR gives very little guidance on, on what exactly that cooperation should entail. And this can lead to very tricky situations as the Spanish authority and the Irish authority might have totally different approaches to pursuing the case. Maybe the Spanish authority, uh, as a matter of example, wants to involve you as a complainant and hear you at several stages while the Irish authority may only decide to hear you in case your case gets rejected. And they may disagree over this and, and discuss how to handle your case for four months before it even really gets treated in substance. And the regulation aims to change that by making sure that certain procedural steps will have to be followed by each and every one of the EU's 27 data protection authorities, which ideally would avoid authorities disagreeing about procedure and make the process faster and easier for the complainant and and lead to, to data protection authorities, DPAs, making more robust decisions as well. And this is done by creating a range of procedural obligations. One of such is that each data protection authority will now have to issue a summary of key issues after each preliminary investigation, and all complaints are also addressed by a standard form now. And that will allow not only other involved authorities to comment in a more structured way, but also there's this mechanism now foreseen for the European Data Protection Board, which is the EU's overarching data protection watchdog, which consists of all the uh, national data protection authorities, And they will now be able to step in early and intervene in cases that the national authorities disagree by issuing a so-called urgent binding decision. So the European Data Protection Board will then have to inform the complainant after issuing this decision, and uh, the complainant can respond within a week. So that's just one example of a procedure that this proposal is is attempting to harmonize. Next to that, there's also a range of, of new rights and obligations for each side of the case, so for both for the complainant uh, and the defendant, including a deadline for the complainant to contribute to the case, but notably, there is no deadline for the overall resolution for a data protection case. And complainants are also granted with the right to be heard, but only in cases where their complaint is rejected. Again, this is a very technical regulation with a targeted scope, and I think uh, going into more detail about the technicalities of data protection procedure, which probably bore our listeners but the key point to remember is that this regulation is trying to really avoid that data protection authorities use very lengthy lengthy litigation measures to come to an agreement and the regulation is trying to nudge them to reach an agreement ahead of that by harmonizing certain parts of the procedures by harmonizing complainants and defendants rights and also by giving the European data protection board new powers to issue fast decisions ahead of the lengthy formal dispute resolution procedures that have often been named as the reason for stalling the process of enforcement of the GDPR.
0: So it's not a massive change, I guess, to the content of the GDPR. So for those thinking about how it affects their own rights or indeed how the businesses that they work for must comply with it, it doesn't change the, the right to information. It doesn't change the right to human review of a solely automated processing decision. It doesn't doesn't change the fact that you need to give your explicit consent in many, if not most circumstances, if your data is going to be processed. What it will change, particularly for businesses, but also for those who are complaining, is the way in which those complaints are upheld and taken forward by different bodies across Europe. And it won't just be the home data protection regulator who plays a key role here. It's also going to be the European Data Protection Board, but also individual member state regulators where your company has a presence. So one of the curious things here, Alana, is that it's, what, 5th 5th of July we're talking today and the European elections are going to be happening in under a year. What is the European Commission doing, really, proposing a major piece of legislation with such a time frame? Surely they don't think they're going to get this done before the elections, or correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, I think timing is, is really going to be the big question mark. Here with European elections, as you said, fast approaching next year in June, there's certainly not a lot of time left to get this across the line. But uh, we have to keep in mind that this is a procedural regulation, so it is quite limited in scope. As you said, it doesn't change anything about the GDPR. It really only concerns procedural details about some cases of of cross-border cooperation of data protection authorities. So I think due to its limited scope, it might be possible for European lawmakers to agree before the dooming deadline of the election, but it will also depend on how the proposal will be perceived and whether member states governments are going to have a strong opinion on it, which uh, I think for some member states, we can certainly expect that to happen. Um, and also whether the parliament uh, will pick up on any other issues that, that may stall the negotiations. So I think it could really go either way. But what was notable is how Commissioner for Justice uh, Didier Reinde's phrased answers on the timeline during yesterday's press conference on this enforcement regulation proposal, um, as he stated that the commission's ambition is to make as much progress as possible. And uh, in my opinion, that is a careful way of suggesting we hope it's going to get passed before the elections, but we don't guarantee it. So it seems that while certainly this commission will hope to get this done and dusted fast, they do leave the possibility open that this may not happen. So this might very well be one of those files that gets dragged on to the next commission's mandate. So
0: is the conclusion there, Alana, that this is going to be relatively smooth sailing for the, the process? Is it all really that uncontroversial or are there a few bits and pieces hidden within the text that might cause a banana skin, cause the legislators to slip up in that very tight timetable that you've just laid out?
1: The commission is is hoping that it will be rather smooth sailing, Conan, but I'm personally uh, not convinced. Also during yesterday's press conference, uh, I just mentioned where Commissioner Reinders was faced with questions of, of journalists. It did seem like the main message was nothing's happening here. This is mainly a bunch of procedural rules. The GDPR is not touched. The core idea of enforcement does not change. This is a good thing for everyone. Now let's move on. Negotiating the GDPR, that's part of the reason why this is the sort of rationale of the commission, negotiating the GDPR was a massive year-long procedure. It was heavily lobbied lobbied and controversial. And it's rather clear that the commission does not want to open the quote-unquote Pandora's box. The way and the timing in which this has been tabled sets a very similar message. Uh, For example, yesterday, the way it's been adopted, instead of going through the adoption in the commission where the college of the commissioners discusses the file orally during its Wednesday meetings, which is the usual way of doing things, The enforcement regulation was adopted via silent procedure, meaning that as no one voiced opposition to the proposal, adoption is rather kind of automatic. Then there's also the timing, as we said, little time left before the next European elections and summer breaks and winter holidays, also clearly eating away from lawmakers' time. So this all suggests that there is an expectation, at least on the commission side, that this process will be rather smooth. But, of course, it will not only depend on the Commission, as both the EU governments and the European Parliament will now have to scrutinize uh, the text and come to an agreement. And that agreement is not happening in isolations. And lawmakers will undoubtedly consider what the public has to say. And so far, reactions to the enforcement regulations uh, have been far from stellar. Some are even saying that what the Commission is proposing could have negative impacts for the rights. Of claimants, so the people trying to report a breach of their personal data to their national authorities and seeking redress. So the Commission's attempt to harmonize complainants' and defendants' rights in investigations has, has already garnered some pretty harsh criticisms uh, from users' rights activists, which are concerned that the regulation really fundamentally shifts the balance of power towards companies under investigation and away from individuals seeking redress. Uh, part of the reason for that is that. Uh, as part of the proposed regulation, the Commission is making a plea for keeping the process a bit more confidential and is arguably restricting the right of the complainant to access certain documents. And many are arguing that this would clearly go against the spirit of transparency of the GDPR and that this may ultimately harm data subject rights. One such person is, is, is privacy activist Max Schrems, who has become notorious uh, for successfully striking down several EU data transfer instruments, which followed from the GDPR in front of the EU's Court of Justice. And he has, in fact, already picked up uh, on this issue, meaning that many others will. And that leaves a lot of uncertainty on whether the legislative procedure is really going to be as smooth sailing as the Commission would like. Um, I would say that amidst public criticism and concern about the rights of complainants, which is really a question touching upon fundamental rights, of EU citizens, I'm pretty sure that this one won't go down without some challenges.
0: Okay, so Didier Reinders, you've been warned in advance, this might not be as straightforward as you hope. Let's jump into some of the questions around Europeanization and centralization. So there's a bit of a tension here more broadly in digital policy. On the one hand, you have the Digital Services Act and you have the Digital Markets Act where there's a real centralization of enforcement powers, where you're seeing the European Commission themselves take on the direct regulation of some of the largest tech companies globally. And actually, that was instigated partly on in reflection in some of the disappointment with how the GDPR had functioned in practice. So we have a centralization on the one hand, but then on the other, we have things like the NIS directive, which is about cybersecurity, critical national infrastructure. And we have an, a range of other legislative files where the enforcement system is broadly similar to what's in the GDPR and actually, in some cases, effectively replicates that approach, i.e. it's essentially led by national authorities with coordination mechanisms uh, between them. Given that this proposal is, sounds to me, you were talking about the European Data Protection Board a fair bit earlier. It sounds a bit like a centralization, but not quite to the same extent as, say, the Digital Services Act, the Digital Markets Act. How do you see this all playing into that broader debate about where digital regulation should be done, the national or the European level?
1: Yeah, I think you're right that, that many have argued um, that this proposal is is actually seen as, a, as some sort of departure maybe from, from the decentralized one-stop-shop mechanism that we've seen in the G- GDPR and, and other instruments. But the Commission has, has clearly stated, um, also in yesterday's press conference, that the idea with this enforcement regulation is not to depart from the so-called one-stop-shop mechanism because the benefits are rather clear. You have one local authority. Ideally, they speak your language. It's probably in your proximity, which does not only make it easier for you and me as everyday persons, but also for for businesses and, and data holders as they know exactly this is the authority that we will have to address. So in a way, the one-stop shop mechanism provides a form of legal certainty and clarity. So, so the commission is clearly stating here that this, they are not planning to depart from that, uh, from that way of decentralized enforcement, at least uh, not for now. As you said, uh, we see this model being replicated in, in other pieces of tech regulation, the NIS-2, but also the upcoming AI Act and, and the Data Act. But we're also increasingly uh, seeing and hearing the rationale of, of learning from the mistakes of the, of the GDPR. And that sentence clearly does refer to, to the enforcement issues that we've discussed. I think that indeed the GDPR can serve as a model for how, how to deal with increasingly cross-border enforcement cases in, in tech regulation, and that lawmakers are, will be and are certainly watching closely what has worked and what hasn't worked and will consider this in, in shaping new rules. But I think for now, the one-stop shop mechanism will remain a very viable mechanism that will be continue to be relied upon. I think that we might be seeing a trend of increased powers to EU supervisory body, whether that's the commission as executive body as such, or um, bodies such as the European Data Protection Board that have been established uh, ad hoc to supervise certain uh, aspects of the GDPR, for example. Um, And I think there will be a little bit of a shift to, to giving those bodies a little bit more power to avoid the situation where enforcement goes against the idea of a regulation, which is ultimately to, to harmonize certain aspects of EU Member States law. But there is certainly room for improvement, and I think uh, decision makers are, are yet to figure out a, a mechanism that really perfectly strikes the balance between providing on one side clarity and legal certainty as well as sufficient rights to individual and corporates alike but also on the other side, effective, uh, fast and and streamlined enforcement of rules. And ideally, I think that this whole process that we find ourselves in now of tweaking the enforcement of the GDPR may provide some guidance on on what that could potentially look like, or at Mm -hmm. least consolidate some of the lessons learned. And then those lessons uh, may then feed into rules that can be used for enforcement of other EU, EU laws, such as those that you mentioned.
0: I suspect this is a debate that isn't going to go away. And I think the direction of travel, as you say, does seem to be inching towards a greater centralization and Europeanization, even if the GDPR reform doesn't go as far as some of the other legislative files that I I mentioned earlier. But clearly, I think in a sort of in a medium term perspective, you can see it marching in that direction much more firmly. And you never know, the European Data Protection Board could become much more clearly a European agency uh, responsible for data protection more broadly. Let's just reflect as our last question on what does this all mean? We started off with the observation that this is all about enforcement and that it's not about affecting the underlying rights of the GDPR and the underlying mechanisms more broadly around how the GDPR functions on a day-to-day basis. But there is an evaluation next year of the GDPR so what does, that, what does this proposal mean for that review? Has that review essentially been parked? Are we not to expect much coming out of it next year? Or is there still a major consideration within the European Commission about how the GDPR more broadly should be reformed under the next commission from 2024 onwards?
1: As you say, the commission has made it clear that, that this proposal won't change anything about the substance of the GDPR, but I think it, it will inevitably open up the question again, whether the GDPR needs to be reformed eventually. And many people will certainly perceive this as a pit stop towards a broader reform of the GDPR. As the question of, of border reform has been on the table for a while now, as we discussed previously with all the enforcement issues and inconsistency that have hampered the success of this instrument. And the fact that lawmakers are now going to start thinking about the enforcement issues and how to solve them, the question will arise and is arising as a reaction to yesterday's announcement already, if this enforcement regulation is enough to solve the issue or if we indeed need to open up the GDPR itself to tackle the source of the issues. As we discussed, the EU is very hesitant to to reopen the Pandora's box of of the GDPR, but the Commission was clearly pressed in this situation to do something now amongst the sort of longstanding criticisms of enforcement of the GDPR and also with the EDPB, we mentioned it previously, uh, the Data Protection Board has also called for this reform and has highlighted uh, the points about enforcement that we discussed earlier as well. But the rationale now seems to be very much one of targeted action due to this public pressure ahead of a broader reform that we might see in the longer term And we know for sure that in May 2024, there's going to be another crunch point as this is when the GDPR review of the commission is due. Uh, So the GDPR itself lays down that every four years, and the first review happened back in May 2020, the commission must publish a report evaluating the GDPR. And enforcement issues are undoubtedly going to play a large role in this next report. But we have to say that a report does not necessarily need to be followed by any legislative action although it might certainly raise the bars for for legislative review. It's very likely that sooner or later there will be a legislative review of the GDPR also to accommodate for other issues such as evolving technologies, but this would really be a major, major project. And that's why it's certainly not going to be on the agenda of this commission, which is going to be replaced in the fall next year. But... I am sure that we can expect that within the next commission's mandate, some sort of reform will certainly be on the table. So we will be looking out for that.
0: Great. So if you're on the line and working in a data protection function or in a public policy function within a corporate or investor or trade association or wherever else, clearly need to keep our eyes peeled for for where this debate goes more broadly. This isn't the end of the story. And as Alana flags is very conceivable within the debates around in commissioner hearings for the new digital and new justice commissioners next year indeed even in the campaign around the european elections it's very likely we will hear a lot of talk around uh, what to do with the gdpr and about a gdpr 2.0 and uh, that is very very good chance of being part of the next commission's agenda So thanks, Alana, and thanks to everyone for joining us today. As ever, if you are uh, interested in the topic around the GDPR and data protection more broadly, please visit our website at www.global-council.com. You can find the details for Alana, you can find the details for me, you can find the details for other GC colleagues across the different practices in Brussels, London, and Washington, Singapore, and Doha. So please look it up and please get in touch if you have any further questions. We'll be happy to jump on the line. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next week, which will be a discussion around health tech with Matthew Swindles, former deputy CEO of NHS England. Bye bye.